Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Hello, and welcome along to an episode of The Worst Idea of All Time. I'm with Tim. Oh, no. It finally happened. Guy Montgomery has been defeated by the podcast, and this the 43rd episode of the... Uh, fuck, what season are we doing? Four. <laughs> yeah, man. Look, i got to tell you, I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick. This house I'm in. Yes. Everyone's being struck down by the flu. Oh, you're actually sick. And you haven't really watched Sex in the City until you're alternating fevers with your partner in bed while the protagonists just prattle on about the non-issues that are plaguing their lives. Oh, Monty. You know, wafting in and out of a fever dream. Feels like my throat's closing over. Um, Fuck man, it was, no good. It was brutal. I will say this though, before we get yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. Earlier today, I watched. Well, earlier today, actually, do you know what I did? This is quite unlike unlike me, but I listened to an episode of a podcast. Um, oh, of any of any podcast is very outside of character. For yes, you. I listened to an episode of. Uh, a podcast called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Great show. In which he was catching up with his friend Lisa Kudrow. Uh, best known for playing Phoebe Buffay on Friends. Mm-hmm. And, um, sorry, this, in addition to all of these frustrations, there is a cat called Fig, <laughs> who I think is pretty funny, but uh, is also like one of a really eccentric cat uh and he's climbing over he's sort of wearing himself like a scarf around my neck anyway um she was talking about oh they were talking about a show she was in called the comeback have you heard about this show mm-hmm. tim so the comeback. Uh, had, no it's about uh it's it's her playing a character i think named valerie someone and she um there were two seasons one in 2005 and one in 2005 15 
or 14, and uh, in it she plays this sort of former hot property as a performer who uh, gets a, re- a reality show to sort of help launch, relaunch her career after she's been out of work and out of the public eye for a while. It was quite groundbreaking, and I watched the first episode um, with Chelsea, and it was really, really good and really quite interesting. And it turns out that Lisa Kudrow was the co-creator, executive producer, and screenwriter of this show. And with whom should she have worked on it? But the Mattress Pike Clip himself. Oh, Mattress Pike Clip. And it was so interesting to see, like, genuinely a really sort of quite (coughs) experimental and adventurous and really well-executed concept. And this was just the pilot, mind you, which is a... You know, it, it's a challenge for any episode to really nail their pilot. Yeah. Um, and so the the sort of the hard gear change from that to Sex in the City made for quite a fascinating sort of thing. Where I was like, I feel like a lot there's a lot of creative license and freedom afforded to him in this project alongside Lisa Kudrow. Uh, and they really took full advantage of it. And to think that you know, a few years later, he was fucking in his room you know just banging on a keyboard until this came out mm-hmm. I just it's I guess Sex in the City was groundbreaking at this time as well but I found it difficult to reconcile that the same person could be responsible for two wildly different uh, ideas and wildly different outcomes of execution on ideas well what a journey you went on today did you did you watch the pilot blind to the fact that Mattress Pikelet was involved and then found that out only after watching it? I can't remember. It was sort of happened during it, um, I think. It was certainly... Um, it wasn't the reason you watched it is what I'm asking. No, no, no. It was not, no. What a, coincidental. What a bit of serendipity, eh? Yeah. The universe but brought I it to I mean, you. People make good and bad things, don't they? Like yes, it happens, do, all, guy. happens all the time. Sure, I you can't and I think make of an good example. Yeah, it's true. Actually, that's a great example. Um, yeah, man. But sort of, I guess that's that's where I'm at. So I watched it. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, what's going on do with you, know, you, buddy? You're in our nation's cultural capital, and in many ways, our nation's capital, Wellington. Yeah, it's, it's the actual capital city. So, I had I stayed at home, I might be in the same situation you're in because uh, my wife has fallen ill uh, with a virus. And so, imagine that if both of us were um, just crook, <laughs> separately sweating through a watch. But instead, I was, um, my physical health was well, and my mental health was challenged, and my emotional strength was broken, and... The thing I keep coming back to this watch, and I just couldn't escape it, is that I was sober watching it. Um, and that is to say, not physical sobriety, that wasn't the important factor, because I, I'm physically sober most of the time when I watch it, but there was it just I felt so... Um, I couldn't produce any good-feeling chemicals in my brain. I couldn't rally... At one point, I um, decided that I felt so miserable that it would be a good opportunity for me to um, pour some of that out into poetry. So I started, um, I thought 
I was going to start writing a whole stack of poems that I'd have ready for you for the episode. I couldn't even get past about four lines. And then I just gave up. Read um, it to me. All right, I'll boot up. I'll, I turned it off, you see, so I'll boot it back up. It's really nothing because I only just got started and then I abandoned the whole the whole enterprise. Well, um, I would like to go into bat for whoever was in charge of continuity when Mr. Big was catching the tomatoes. Every week I try to catch this guy out and every it's week pathetic that you're bringing he shows up, up with the goods. Well, no, it's not really because I thought I caught him. I went back, I, I watched it three times over. I found a beer in my parents' house and I'm drinking it now. Just opened but mm. what I thought Beautiful. was a continuity error actually turned out to be a continuity triumph. So <laughs> as he slides a chopped tomato into the bowl in which he's preparing some sort of salad, I presume, we mm-hmm. then see him in a different frame sort of uh, reveal a tomato. And to me, I yes. thought, well, hold on a second. This guy's pulling tomatoes out of thin air. But okay. If you slow it down, you'll see there's a colander next to the bowl in which he's, he's he's putting the chopped tomatoes. So not only is he doing a good job on chopping the tomatoes, but he's presumably cleaned them. And that's where a lot of people get food poisoning because they don't wash their fruit and vegetables. But it's really important you do because they can carry all sorts of unknown bacteria, you know, on the way from the farmer's place to the, the, the market or even from the market to your home. And he, he reveals it. And I thought, well, where's this tomato come from? Thin air? <laughs> Better luck next time, Mr. Big. But as it turns out, you do see, not only do you see him reaching into the colander, you can see the shade of red on the tomato through some of the holes in the colander. I mean, it is a triumph for continuity. And, um, yeah, fucking well done. Of, of movie making. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to stop hunting, you know. You're not going to throw me off I the just scent. wish that you, I wish that you would focus on a different, it's like now we're at the point where we've seen the movie 43 times and you're actually, you, you, <laughs> you're looking at the same scene with eagle eyes to see if there's a difference from last time. You're looking at the exact same frames. Do you know, that's what makes it that much more impressive is that not only is the scene, about? well, not only is it not getting worse, but somehow the continuity is getting better. I don't want to get mad at you because I know you're sick, but you're fucked in the head, mate. You've <laughs> really, you've, not. You've cooked it. You are the fact beyond, that, that, beyond you know, the pale. The fact that, that you're not impressed by this tells me that you're not in a good place because this is really impressive. It isn't because we've talked about it. We've been through it. Bit. We've discussed not that, the, not we're that particular bit. The colander. Not the colander. Not the fact you see the tomato through one of the little holes in the colander. Not the fact that Big washes his tomatoes. Fuck it, chat. Doesn't it just seem so futile, though, guy? Doesn't it haven't, just seem so fucking pointless to talk about the colander? Haven't talked about any of that. Fuck. By the way, if you're listening yeah. along in Auckland, you could see this kind of conversation live this Sunday. <laughs> well, I was going to say for the end. At okay. Whammy Bar, 3 p.m. Tickets are cheap. The vibe is good. Yeah, we will be airing a um, a piece of media that Guy and I made, which we're not allowed to release online as well, only to a live audience. Um, I'll say is, this though. Yeah. You want to talk about things getting better and worse? Samantha Jones' Botox gag when Carrie calls to tell her that she is engaged. Yep. Has not aged well. Oh, you don't like that now. 
I don't know that I ever did like it, but it's it's really driving me up the fucking wall. That's crazy. You came into that comment like you were going to present something you enjoyed, but you did, you were just no, like, hey, here's a surprise. I still hate this bit. Some things get better. Some things get worse. Okay. Here's the poem. Um, Everyone exists in a world of their own. I want these women struck with a predator drone. Carries biffing phones into the ocean. Smith's biffing 45k into it. And then I stopped. <laughs> That's all I have. What was he biffing it into? He spent 55k on that ring. Yeah, but um, Samantha would have got it for 10, so I figured you do the math. The wastage is 45. <laughs> yeah, she probably would have got it for 10. Whoever, no one would buy that ring. It's a fuck ugly ring. It's a disgust. It's, it looks like a kind of fact- ring that you would win out of a parlor game in one of those balls, and there's a parrot protecting it. Do you know the what I'm talking that- about? Hmm. Not entirely. It's like, Say it again. It's it's like <laughs> in big, you know that um, the fortune teller. Not uh, seen Z- it. Z- Z- Zolt Zoltan, I think his name. Zoltar. is. Zoltar. Zoltar Zoltan, and he um, produces the little cards and grants the wishes that make Tom Hanks big. Um, sort of of that era of game. I remember. As a child in Christchurch, there was one in Miravale Mall, I think, and there was a, par- a, a, a crude animatronic parrot sitting atop a treasure trove of plastic balls with treasures contained within. And you inserted a gold coin, presumably a New Zealand one, and in exchange, you would receive a uh, an unknown goodie. And those kind of rings are just the kind of thing that you would get. Some some cheap trinket, some gaudy bit of jewellery for the kids. And the, well, look, man, that's what the ring looks like to me. Yeah, it does. It looks like it's not like fifty five thousand dollars. And the fact that she's upset that her thoughtful partner knew she wanted it, went to the trouble of buying it for her and giving it to her on her anniversary is a problem in her life. Yeah, it's a lot more about Samantha than it does about our friend Smith Jared with a J. Can I tell you something funny though? Yeah, You're winding up to something good. I do have something to say, but I'll I'll wait. Now I feel incredibly disrespectful. I've interrupted you. No, you haven't. Um, I th- I I may actually have brought this up before, but uh, I I do it every time now. You know, right at the start, which she says every year, twenty something women come to New York City, <laughs> and I like to think that instead of her meaning twenty something women as in their age twenty something, there's somewhere between twenty and thirty women that come to New York City annually, and that's it. Then they shut the gate, and those twenty something women must battle it out for their position in the Big Apple. I love Battle Royale style. Do you know, that kind of syncs up neatly with my idea that Carrie is sort of remembering how to operate in this world early in the film because not long after she's saying that, she says, I I figured out labels early, so I turned my attention to looking for love. And she walks past two people on the street who seem to be uh, whispering sweet nothings, but it turns out he's actually telling this woman that he's been canoodling with that he's married. And she says, you're married? You're fucking married? And Carrie, for that moment, forgets entirely how to, to walk. Mm. She has no idea how to move past this argument. And uh, if you watch it closely, you'll see her experimenting with ways to lead, to move her body. Yeah. And 
that paired with the fact that you know she thinks that only about 24 25 women arrive in new york annually tells me that mattress pie clip probably was just like get something on the page and keep going and we'll come back and fix the start <laughs> later do you do you think in the imaginings of mattress pie clip there's been uh maybe a, a blunt force trauma some sort of head injury a contusion which um has befallen our protagonist in between the events of the last episode of Sex and the City, the TV show, and what we're watching, Sex and the City, the movie. And that's also what leads her to create um, this persona of St. Louise from from St. Louis. Hey, look, man, you know it's not my place to speculate, but I 100% know for a fact that Mattress Pike had experienced some blunt force trauma. Oh, you think he did? I was suggesting he thought Carrie did, but I think... I think you're right. I think it's semi-autobiographical because I think Mattress Parklet King expresses his worldview through Carrie. So he got hit by a car accidentally and it, you know, it was one of those things where it wasn't such a big deal but it had some lasting impacts that he wasn't quite aware of. He got checked out at the hospital. They gave him the all clear. He never felt quite the same again but he figured that, you know, he just sort of uh, had a bit of whiplash or, or a similar sort of injury that after a few days would come right. Unfortunately, it didn't. He burst a blood vessel in his brain. He had a mini stroke. And um, as a result, he, he just crapped out a 300-page script, uninhibited by the normal parts of your brain that would sort of be selective and editorializing um, what should stay and what should go in the script. That, that was gone. And what yeah. he's done is he's, he's transplanted his trauma onto the page as well um, via Carrie and Louise. Well, and in doing that, he's actually buried the evidence that this is what's happened because... There's a, I mean, we've discovered that Carrie creates uh, Jennifer Hudson's character, St. Louise, inside of this film. So that's, you know, that's an example of someone uh, creating a character to, to support themselves through whatever. But um, I got sent by Iowa Debris, a uh, friend of the podcast, an article. About a popular fan theory that unearthed, or that that also is supported by Sergis Parker and that she thinks that all of Carrie Bradshaw's friends were just in her head. SJP supports this? this. Yeah, I hadn't heard this. Uh, well, so uh, it was in an interview on uh, a podcast for the Nerdist. She revealed that she always suspected that the three non-Carrie Bradshaw Sex in the City characters were just figures of her imagination who were created wow. to support her column. So as, that if they're you all... as if you couldn't stick it to Kim Cattrall anymore, you then I... make the revelation that she's the only real person in the show. So the, the characters represented different sort of archetypes of women and she used herself and the characters to anchor her stories. Um which would be representative of what you've said Mike Mattress Pikelet's doing. Yeah. And so it's like a clue he's he's fed us. Um, the only thing is, while I sort of um, appreciate the creative storytelling there, it sort of does suggest that the character has a long-running psychotic break as well, you know, for this to hold water. Well, this is entirely unrelated to anything we've been talking about, but what if I told you I did find a continuity error today, Tim? How would that make you feel? <laughs> I'm so happy. Because it's new information, and any stimulus that is novel is 
ever so welcome on this podcast. I just need new bits of data. So throw it at me, big boy. Mr. Big leaves the rehearsal dinner at which he was wearing a black suit with a white shirt and a tie. Oh, my God. Another piece of new information. At the rehearsal dinner, you know the partner at the firm? That asshole guy? Carl. His Carl. Name's Carl. How, why do you always forget his name? You've got a good memory. You always seem to forget f- Carl for some reason. We both forget all sorts of details all the time. Guess who yeah. plays Lisa Kudrow's husband in the show The Comeback? Get fucked. Get fucked, Absolutely. mate. Absolutely. Old out school mattress clip collaborator. No doubt about That's it. Incredible. He's Is a more he interesting type. Uh, <coughs> sorry. He's a businessman. Uh, but he's not such an asshole. He actually seems, through one episode, to be a largely supportive partner. Wow. Um, but that's by the by. Just nice to see. You know, it's always interesting to see who collaborates with who in this crazy world and this crazy business. Big comes home from the rehearsal dinner. We mm-hmm. see him on the phone later to Carrie Bradshaw, right? He's in a chocolate brown shirt. He has come home late at night and changed out of a suit into casual wear which is still a shirt is this not crazy to you that's a surprisingly big fuck up do you no, like that's is not that even the kind it. of shirt that's not okay. even oh. oh okay sorry okay that to me is a you know you know how I feel about these things you can justify that that could be a character decision Mr. Big only wears shirts so that's yeah. fine I think it's fucking insane <laughs> to come home after a night somewhat on the piss Emotionally yeah. challenged and not get into your comfy clothes and dig into bed, but to put on your mm-hmm. chocolate shirt and try and write your wedding vows with a couple of fingers of whiskey. But through the cuff of his shirt, we see his watch poking out. It tells us that the time is, and all of this is while he's on the phone to Carrie Bradshaw, by the way, because it's the only mm-hmm. time he's introduced in that scene because we're actually focusing on Carrie and the gals. He's wearing a watch that says it's 2.15 a.m., Wow. That's crazy because Lily is still up. All of the gals are up. It's <laughs> this the is day good before stuff, the staff detective the, guy. It's the day before the wedding. What are you doing up at two fifteen AM? Mm. How is Lily up then? No wonder she's hiding cell phones and stuff. She's acting out. She's exhausted. Of this course. Kid needs some shut eye. Kids love boundaries. And then, in the next time we see him in frame, his watch reads, get this, 11.45, presumably PM, but still, (laughs) this phone call lasts for no longer than one minute. Yet, as represented by Mr. Big's watch, this phone call goes for nigh on two hours. Wait, which one comes first? I thought you said it was 2.15 first. It is. And then it goes to 11 something. Yeah. So it actually, doesn't that make the phone call about 21 and a half hours or something? 22 hours? Well, I mean, yeah, there are two ways to read that. One is that the phone call lasts for 21 hours. Or two, <laughs> yeah. that there's just a continuity error. That the same person who worked on Tomatoes... <laughs> Got fired for complaining well, guy, about something. Of course. Um, 
uh, dear listener, let me draw your attention to the fact that maybe the premise of the joke didn't happen. <laughs> You're dead right, guy. Maybe it is simply a continuity error. A big <laughs> dumb watch <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> I mean, it could go either way. But to me, what I'd like to say is this. Yeah. Continuity person and Mr. Big, you better watch out because you've been licked. <laughs> the Frosty Boys came for you, they found you, and they licked you. Now you're fucked. Big time. You've got to, you, it would have to be said, it would have to be noted that at this point in the 40s, for us to get any joy out of that level of fuck up, that, that level of detail that's marginally off. I mean, to echo sentiments which I chastised you for voicing in the first place in this episode, they did fucking well on continuity, didn't they? Mate, you're telling me. I will so say guy, this as well. Mm-hmm. Is Mr. Big all good? In what way? Sure, he jilts her. He's tired. He's pissed. But when he's driving away from the wedding, he says, mm-hmm. oh my God, what the fuck am I doing? He turns the car around. The car turns yeah. around. The bridal yeah. party's car is driving down the road past them. He puts the window down. He says, Carrie. She opens the door runs towards him he says I know I fucked up but I'm ready I'm ready to get married now Mm. he still wants to get married this is an interesting thing guy because if you compare him with Steve so the length of Steve's mistake if we take it at minimum is the amount of time it took Steve to have sex with someone um I mean, it's quite hard to determine how long that actually was. And I guess you would count some of the sort of courtship ritual, some of the latter bit of that in in, the, in there as well. The sort of um, the tail end of the flirting as it's getting, you know, leading to somewhere. The, the length of time of the mistake is uh, for big, like, what? A cu- like a couple of minutes, ultimately? Like, he's got reservations but he gets his suit on and he gets in his car and he goes you know all i'm saying i understand it's embarrassing to show back up but they're less than a block from the venue all the guests are there all the trimmings are there he wants to do it you know it's a conversation for later definitely but you can still go through with the wedding Yeah, dead right, we accept that, we know that, and that is true, but he doesn't. But the length of his fuck-up really is only about two to three minutes, isn't it? It's him being at the church and not going in, or sorry, the library, and not going in, and then getting in his car and driving away, which he almost immediately regrets and and, and tries to rectify. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean... We build an entire movie, really, off the back of that three-minute mistake. But the movie's also built on the backbone of the franchise, which is Mr. Big's, you know, and Carrie's will they or won't they, his his flitting back and forth between committing to her or not. So I understand there's history there. 
to fan, diehard fans of the show who are also listening to the podcast, of which I imagine there are countless, or one <laughs> a staunch Sex in the City viewing libertarian listener. Uh, I understand that, but I still think on a different day, we might get a different result. I would almost wager a fresh $50 note that oh, one of the screenings we have coming up soon. You've got to stop Carrie's going to say, okay, you're right. Let's go back. Let's go back and finish this wedding. It's shocking to me that you have, you're still sort of around in the world, just surviving, you know. I'll put that wager on with you right now if you so choose, Tim. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I've denied it in the past and I'll deny it today. No, there is one $50 bet between us. What's that one? Oh, that oh, it's this one, isn't it? Well, no, it's you different. kind of forced me. What is that one? That he's going to get married he won't, one day. He won't jilt her. Yeah, this one is that he will jilt her, and they'll still get married. <laughs> Far out, dude! You're stacking some wild money on this craps table. That's for sure. Um, Take it or leave it. Absolutely, last chance alone. I'm leaving it. Five. Dude. I, I'm not Four, doing it to you. Mm-hmm. Three. Yeah. Last chance. Yeah, no, we're fine. We're good. Two. We're good. We're good. One. Okay. Oh, it's a here's shame. The, here's the question I wanted to ask you before. Actually, I've got two questions, and both of them are going to involve... I reckon you would have been the favorite to win that bet. The first question is, go through the four gals and New York City, the fifth gal, and St. Louise the sixth imagined gal and please tell me what star signs each of them are go Pisces Sagittarius Capricorn Libra who's who Aries you do the math (laughs) oh man okay my second question is uh, my name is Tim Milton Bradley (laughs) I like that I've called you a sick ass into my office. Yeah, because man. You Is there any other the... time we could do this? <laughs> Can I get you a tissue? Please. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As you know, I'm a busy man. But as you also know, you've been knocking down my door to book this meeting because you have come up with an ingenious idea to make the Sex in the City, the movie, the board game. And I would like for you to tell me how does it work exactly? What is the point? How does one play it? How does it function? What is it similar to perhaps? Some touchstones? How many players can the game facilitate? It's set up like a Monopoly board. The pieces are represented by different items that we identify with the characters in the film a stiletto a cosmopolitan glass a key ring a handbag um you know a piece of casual racism and (laughs) around the board we have different sort of hallmark events not just in the characters lives in the movies but also in the characters lives we have uh, first successful one night stand and so as you go around the board you collect all of these experiences and uh, your hope is that you will land on you know they're, they're represented by different colours and the colours represent different characters or ambitions the characters have so dark blue represents uh, relationship stuff so you might have your first successful one night stand on a, on a dark blue and then say you roll a f- anything, anywhere from a, a a six from there if you get another dark blue you will run into the person with whom you had that one night stand at a a public event and you'll talk to them and you know if you roll another six from there uh, you will be asked on a date and then some of the other colours like the light blue that's career driven stuff so you you might get an article published in Vogue as a freelance writer and then from there all of a sudden you might be offered a a casual contract writing a monthly column for Vogue. And uh, in essence, as you go around the board, you sort of collect all these experiences and you might wind up, uh, much like in life, you might only get several sort of surface level experiences of success. So you might have a one night stand, you might publish one article, uh, but nothing may come of these experiences. You might just continue to flit around at an entry level sort of uh, position in terms of, life success against what you aspire for you might want to be married you might want to be a published author who puts out books but you're just flapping around you know one night stands and and blogs uh but the longer you play for the more likely you are to to find a life that that you want does this make much sense (laughs) a little yeah, I'm not quite following the mechanic, but I am following very much the vibe. And I'm, luckily for you, a vibe guy. Yeah, so ask me about the mechanic. How does the mechanic quite operate? Like, how does one win? Uh, t- to win, you have to be the last person playing the game. So, And how do you how do you get kicked out of the game? Oh, people will get sick of it. Oh, it's just people leaving? That's yeah. It? There's no other way. Okay. 
All right, so this, to, uh, to win, yeah. you have to be the yep. most strong-willed. Much like anyone who moves to New York, to truly succeed, you have to have the iron will of someone who is willing to uh, degrade and subject themselves to you know, the unrelenting grind and misery of life in the big city or on the big board longer than anyone else. And once they go, you can hoover up all their opportunities, you can hoover up previous successes, relationships, work experience, and claim it as your own. This is no way to play a board game. This is fucked. So you sit down with how many mates, how many people can play the game at once? Uh, Anywhere between 2 and 50. Mm -hmm. Okay, 2 to 50 people sit down at a table, bust out Sex in the City, the movie, the board game. Sorry, that's the the age. Oh. Approved ages. How many, what number of players can it facilitate? Anywhere between 2 and 50. We've got between two and fifty, two to fifty-year-olds sitting at a table, enjoying their favourite television show turn movie turn game, and the only way to win is to just not leave, like a hand on a car for a radio show promotion. Almost exactly. That's sort of what. That was the thing that sort of spun the idea off. I mean, I'll pay for it. We'll make well, it. Yeah. Great. Well, here's hoping consumers will pay for it too. They're idiots. They'll pay for anything that we slap a big Sex in the City logo on. They're not paying attention anymore. And so go, oh. it is. The colder water. What's going on with you, come over. Do I you think... think I just do, sang do you, you re- my shining light. I just sang you my shining light. It was the oh, Dorman's comb over. Really it. it was comb over. That's good. And Carrie's building. Uh, the building they want to live in? Yeah. He's got they a fucking... I guess they do, yeah. You know, when they first walk in and there's a woman who walks out with what looks like maybe a schnauzer, some sort of small yeah. dog. Mm-hmm. And there's a, the bellboy or the, the doorman there. His comb over is... A fucking abomination. It's a sensation. <laughs> it's one of the most... It's funny, eh? Because they're very, it's... like, accepted. A lot of people have them, but it is uh, a ruse that no one sort of accepts, but also no one will call out. It's just Who we've all agreed for? to not talk about it. Who are they for? The average punter. They're for everyone. Men, women, and children. <laughs> for all of us. They come over... For the common here individual. Um what what's going on with you, man? Here's my theory. I think you got sick because you all you are you've been doing comedy shows all in a row. Now that they're finished, your body's gone, sweet, time for me to fuck out. Uh, that might be what happened. I didn't even thought about that, but there's a high chance that's what happened. You push and you push and you push. And then when you stop pushing one day, your body goes, sweet as, I was harboring a whole bunch of bacteria and it's time for them to win a battle. That's what it feels like. And i got to tell you, man, that screening did no one any favours. Did I ever tell you about the play I wrote? No. When I was at the sickest that I can remember, but I've been really sick only a small handful of times in my life. Once I got scarlet fever as a kid. 
And uh, I've subsequently been told that this fact is wrong, and I've remembered it incorrectly, but I have a memory of being told by the doctor at the time that only 10% of the population can even get scarlet fever. And My man, with, it. with yeah. the obscure sickness, Absolutely. to 90% of the general populace, you've been licked. Final year in high school, I was bored out of my goddamn mind, and so I decided to write a play to uh, keep myself amused, and it was called The New Adventures of Hercules in Johnsonville, and the story centered around uh, Zeus, (coughs) the Greek king of the gods, um, seeing Lord of the Rings, which was very popular at the time, had just come out. It was really putting Wellington and New Zealand at large on the global map. Zeus had seen it from atop his Mount Olympus home and fallen in love with the landscape. So he decided to relocate himself, Hera, and Hercules to Wellington. Um, But they accidentally got a place in Johnsonville, which is very suburban. And uh, the play followed... uh, Zeus becoming a taxi driver, underappreciated, and sort of experiencing um, the xenophobia and racism that uh, often accompanies the immigrant experience, and Hercules having to move to a new high school, real fish out of water, getting punked by the kids. Of course. um, And falling in love with a girl called Twizel, and and Hera, who was a um, a stay-at-home woman of leisure um racking up huge bills and and just uh getting mad at everyone because she missed her home in greece this is a pretty good play did you perform it or just write it no we put it on i directed it that that's where i got real sick because i wrote it and then i was like well we're gonna put this sucker on and then um we you know rehearsed it and and put it on and uh of course this was all sort of alongside the schoolwork and the exams and things and so I was really given it what for, and as soon as the uh, the the run of the play had ended, um, I proceeded to get incredibly ill. And I think it's because of that thing where you just you you keep your shit holding on, um, if yeah, it's for a short while, and then your body just collapses after it's done. My man, do I know that feeling? Bedridden for for a couple of days. How tall do you think Sergius Kapakar is? Five foot and nine inches. Five foot three. Five three, did you say? Yeah. Wow. I know. It's tiny. One sixty centimeters. Holy, that is miniature. Oh, good on her. That's awesome. How tall is Matthew Broderick? Do you want to punch that in? Uh, that'll be revealed gonna- on our on our next episode. I'm going to guess it's 5'11". It's my punt. Am I meant to be looking it up? (laughs) The choice is firmly in your hands, but I actually would love to know. I need to know. (coughs) What do you say? 5'11". 5'7". All of Hollywood is so short. I'm taller than Matthew Broderick. That's awesome. Yeah, fuck him up, dude. Don't forget, though. <laughs> Do not forget yeah. what he's capable of. <laughs> Don't. Do not. 
don't. Do you, on social media today, I floated a theory that you, Guy Montgomery, in fact, are three children stacked on each other's shoulders inside a coat, and I stand behind it. It's untrue. Nah, it's kids, not. And I'm gonna, kids don't know I, how to get sick like this. I will prove it. Kids know nothing but how to get sick like you're sick right now. Not it's like the this thing motherfucker. They're best at. And uh, the thing is, I'm going to prove it um, to a live audience in Auckland this coming Sunday at Whammy Bar. If you go to um, the Worst Idea Facebook page, facebook.com slash worst idea of all time, um, we've got an event page there and you can grab tickets. Get them while they're hot. Guy and I will perform a live episode of the podcast in front of you, our beautiful libertarian listener. And, uh, and we will also be airing that uh, unreleased media um, hot oh, yeah. tip it's pornography that's exciting mm. it is exciting uh, otherwise please look after yourselves I'm going to go to bed I've really got to get healthy I hate this oh, see I you hate on, being see feverish you next episode everybody you didn't do hey, a shining guy, light guy wrap a, wrap a hot towel around your head you didn't do a shining take light a long, take a long shower wrap a hot towel around your head you didn't do a shining uh, light my shining light today for this episode is... It's fucking Harry's big, bald, beautiful head. So many lights yeah, shining boy. off it. It's the way it glistens when he's making love to Charlotte. It's good. You know that when a man becomes bald, his scrotum becomes as smooth as his head. It's not true. Nothing you say is true. Uh, you go you go get some water and some bed rest, my friend. Hey, Tim. Yeah. Fuck you, I love you. Yeah, okay, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Bye, everyone. Say it back. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. I, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.